0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today we know that this is a great Friday, the day of the crucifixion of Christ. And if we look at the trial that happened uh, right before the crucifixion, one might imagine that when anyone has the opportunity to question Christ, or to be with Christ, or to speak to him personally one-on-one, um, that they might turn from their ways, so they might understand things differently. And we look at the example of both the Pharisees and Pontius Pilate and how each of them were involved in this story and this trial that happened before the crucifixion. And yet each of them continued in their way and did not turn aside or change their mind or stop whatever it is that they were already planning to do. And we see that each one of these characters had a different motivation in what they were doing and why they were doing it. So I'm going to speak just briefly about the three main characters in the trial of Christ, who was Christ himself and the Pharisees and Pontius Pilate and we see each one of them is motivated by something and this motivation actually doesn't change from the very beginning to the very end each character is motivated by something the Pharisees and the Jews they're motivated by their self-righteousness they believe themselves to be righteous people and they believe this man to be a sinner and so they want to crucify him And all they care about is demonstrating their righteousness in front of the people that they would be righteous and they would prove this man to be a sinner and they try to find all these excuses of things that he's doing wrong so they could justify whatever it is they wanted to do to him Pontius Pilate on the other hand he is driven by fear and self-preservation this is the main thing he cares about whenever he's afraid of the people he does whatever it is that they that, that they want him to do and he's interested only in himself thinking about himself The third character, of course, is Christ himself, and he is driven by love and self-denial. Even to the very end, when we see him even on the cross, and he's asking for the forgiveness of those people who are crucifying him, he never wavered from this motivation of his, that he was completely self-sacrificial and loving to the end. So I'm going to speak briefly about each of these three groups, and what is it that we can learn about each one. The first was the Pharisees and the Jews. We see that they're characterized by outward worship only, because these were the spiritual leaders of the people. These were the people that were, you know, leading everybody in worship. They're the ones who were um, tending to the temple and all of this. And yet we see in them only an outward semblance of worship and not an inner worship. In John um, chapter eighteen twenty-eight, it says, But they themselves did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. So whenever they're considering going to Pontius Pilate to speak to him about crucifying Christ, they refuse to actually go into the praetorium thinking that this is going to defile them and yet they never considered that sending this innocent man to his death is going to defile them all they care about is the outward what is it that are the laws that they are trying to follow the outward laws that says oh we cannot we cannot be in contact with the gentiles we cannot go do certain things or else we will become ceremonial, ceremonially unclean and then we can't participate in the passover but sending this man Christ to death it doesn't matter this is this is not considered illegal for them because it, it, they only care about the outward things Another way to characterize them is through the false accusation they made about Christ. They were liars. They accused him falsely. It says, And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Why are they saying this? Because they wanted to influence Pilate. They knew that if this man became a political enemy, this person who is you know, a rebel and wanting to overthrow the government, then maybe it would get Pilate's attention. But this was a lie. This is not why Christ came. And this is not what Christ was doing. And actually, when it came time for him to pay taxes, he paid taxes. He didn't, he didn't refuse to pay taxes. Okay? And actually, Christ himself, when they wanted to make him a king, he fled from them. And he did not allow them to make him a king by force. And he escaped from them. So, in every way, they're trying to accuse him, just in a way that would get Pilate's attention not because that this is actually true. So again, they they, they are self-righteous. They are only interested in outward things and they're willing even to lie to get whatever it is they want. Also, they have a false sense of justice. What did they say in verses 39 and 40? It says what Pontius is speaking to them. He says, but you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried again saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now barabbas was a robber so if they really were interested in justice then why is it that they would seek to have this man who was a robber and a thief released from prison and they would send this innocent man to his death so they again they might appear from the outside to be just and righteous and yet in their practice in their actions you see that there is no righteousness finally you see that they're blinded by their sin They say what his blood be on us and on our children they did not even consider what it is they were doing they just wanted him out of the picture and they didn't even care what the ramifications were what the consequences were for them or for their children or for anyone they were completely blinded by their arrogance by their self-righteousness by their desire to maintain their authority that they didn't want this man christ in the picture at all lest he people follow after him and they lose their position So you see, they're very one-track-minded. At no point during any of this that they consider, you know what, maybe this is wrong. Maybe maybe we should take a second look. Maybe this isn't the right thing that we're doing. What about Pontius Pilate himself? We see from the very beginning when Pontius Pilate is addressing Christ, he is very much interested in, in whether or not Christ is a king. Because again, he has political motivations. He has to make sure that this man is not a threat to Caesar. And if he is coming proclaiming himself to be a king, then certainly he would be a threat. So he, we find many times he keeps asking Christ about his kingship. He's very interested in that. He says, it says, Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Because if he was the king of the Jews, then maybe this is a rebellion. Maybe he has some other motivation. Of course, Pilate can't understand it from the spiritual aspect. He's thinking it completely in the physical aspect, which is actually what the Jews thought as well. The Jews believed that the Messiah was going to be a physical king and he was going to come and lead a rebellion for them to overcome the Romans and so they could have independence and their own nation. And so when Christ came, and obviously he didn't fit the mold of what it is that they expected him to be, they, 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 they rejected him. They thought, okay, you are not the Messiah. The Messiah is not going to do what you're doing. The Messiah is going to be different. So Pilate also is thinking in the, same, in the same terms. He's thinking, if this man is claiming to be a king, then he's going to make a rebellion, and then Caesar is going to be upset with me because I'm the one who allowed this rebellion to happen. Another thing we, we learn about Pontius Pilate is that he's very pragmatic, but he's not a principled man. He was going to do what helps him, whether or not it's morally right or not. Pilate, who believed Christ to be innocent, still scourged him. It says, So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. So why are you scourging him? If you believe that he has no fault in him, if he hasn't done anything wrong, why are you scourging him? Again, the only reason Pilate is doing this is because he wants to please someone. In the first one, he's trying to please Caesar. Caesar okay are you a king or not and the second one he's trying to please the jews well maybe if i scourge him maybe if i beat him enough then the jews will be satisfied and they won't come to me asking me to crucify him and i'll be out of the situation so you see he's not principled he's not doing things based on what's actually right he's doing things on what preserves him what preserves his position so that he doesn't have to cave in to anyone's demands or anyone's needs he's just trying to find what is the balance in between everything to do what everybody wants He's also afraid of Christ himself, Christ's identity. He says, The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid. So we ask ourselves, why was Pilate afraid? You know, when the Jews are saying he's claiming to be the Son of God, why does that make Pilate afraid? Pilate is a Roman, he doesn't believe in the God of the Hebrews. Actually, um, St. Saint Saint Cyril tells us that because Pontius Pilate was a Roman, that he was a pagan, and he believed in many different gods. And he actually could have believed at this moment that maybe Christ indeed was a god. One of the many gods and demigods, like half-human, half-gods, people that they believed in. And he believed that Christ could actually be. So, so he was worried actually about punishing Christ. Again, not because it was wrong, not because he felt it's wrong to punish an innocent man, but simply because he was afraid that if this man really were a demigod, then he could punish him somehow. Okay? Again, he's motivated by the same thing, self-preservation. All I care about is myself. I don't really care about justice or what is it that I'm going to do to anyone else. He's also afraid of Christ's authority. says, Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin From then on, Pilate sought to release him. Why? Because he began to believe that, again, maybe this man really has power. Maybe this man really has something. that, And again, it, it caused him to be afraid. I want to release him. I don't want to release him because he's innocent. I don't want to release him because this is the right thing to do. I want to release him simply because I do not want to be punished or have any consequences on me. So, you see, Pilate was in between these two things. Who do I please? Do I please the Jews? Or do I try to preserve myself? And because I'm afraid of this man, of what might happen to me if I punish him. And finally, he's afraid of losing his position. When the Jews cried out and saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. They're going to go report him to Caesar. And they're going to tell Caesar, Look, this man, Pontius Pilate, this uh, governor that you have put over us, this is what he did. And look, he didn't crucify this man. And he's allowing this man who's claiming to be a king to come and to cause a rebellion and all of this. And so Pontius Pilate is afraid. He's afraid of of what might happen to him. And actually, we know historically that after this, Pontius Pilate gets exiled to France by Caesar um, after this whole scenario. So Pontius Pilate is like, in this whole situation, he has no clear identity. He has not stood up for anything. He simply wants what's best for himself and how to get out of any kind of trouble. Finally, we see Jesus Christ. Again, we said Jesus Christ is motivated by a self-sacrificial love for everyone from the beginning to the end. It has nothing to do with who he's speaking with, whether he's speaking with a harlot, a prostitute, a tax collector, the Pharisees, Pontius Pilate. It doesn't matter who he's speaking to. He's trying to save every single person and everything that's ever come out of his mouth was for the purpose of saving someone. And we see this reflected here as well. He speaks these words of salvation to Pontius Pilate. It says then pilate entered the praetorium again called jesus and said to him are you the king of the jews jesus answered him are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me why did he answer this this way Wh- why didn't he just give a clear answer why is it that he's speaking in this way he's trying to redirect the mind of pilate from whatever pilate is trying to understand which again is just the political motivations of christ he's trying to redirect him to something more maybe actually Pontius Pilate himself needs a salvation he is the one who needs a savior okay so we see here that Christ speaks at other times when Christ was accused of something he just remained silent he didn't say anything but here Christ is speaking he's trying to communicate something to Pontius Pilate that is deeper than than the answer that Pilate is asking for so these words are for Pilate's sake these words are for Pilate's sake why is he asking this question Okay? He wants Pilate to start thinking, okay, why am I asking this? Is, what do I know about Christ? Is what I know about him only what I have been told by others? Or maybe the reality is different than what he has heard from the Jews. Maybe all the evil things that the Jews have said about him are not true, and Pontius Pilate should make that decision on his own. Then he goes a step further, and he actually reveals himself to Pontius Pilate. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Keep in mind that Pilate is the only one hearing this. This conversation is not said in a sermon where many people would listen and maybe be convinced of something or repent. This was completely said only for Pilate and no one else. Christ is trying to reach Pilate. And he's appealing to what? He's appealing to power here in this point. The Romans, they, they cherished power. They looked up to power. They respected power. That's the way that they thought. They thought in terms of power. Okay? So here, when Christ is speaking, he is revealing that even though I appear weak to you, and even though I am going to the cross, and I'm being, you know, turned in by the Jews, that I am actually a king, and my kingdom is beyond this world, that my servants would fight for me if I choose to, but I have not chosen them to fight. Because he wants Pilate to understand that he is very powerful. And simply because he is now a prisoner, and because this is happening to him, it does not mean that he is weak, okay? So he tells Pilate, what first that he has servants, right? This man who is a prisoner, who is accused of these things, he is not just any man, he has servants. And these servants will fight for him, and he has an entire kingdom. And this kingdom is even above the world. And of course, this conversation is going to make Pilate afraid of him. He's going to say, well, who is this man? If he really is a king, and his king, and he's a powerful king, I'm afraid of him. I don't want to crucify him. And we know, of course, that after this, Pilate was trying to free him. So, but again, why is Christ saying this? He's not saying this because he wants to boast of his power. He's saying this because he wants Pilate to change. He's saying this because he wants Pilate to be saved. Then, uh, Christ actually gives Pilate an invitation to learn more about the truth. He says, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. He's now appealing personally to Pilate. And we can see that that he's speaking about the truth. And he's saying that I have come to bear witness to this truth. And that, you, that those who hear me would listen to the truth. Pilate was now the one hearing. He was the one listening to the truth. At this point, it's possible that Pilate had never actually heard Christ speak before. And now for the first time in this one-on-one conversation between Christ and Pilate, Christ is revealing and saying all these things to him so that he would change and be transformed. And, and it actually gets to Pilate. For the very first time, Pilate says something that he's never said up until this point. Everything he's been talking about has been related to Christ being a king whether he is the king of the Jews or not and what does that mean and where is he from and all of this because again he's interested in the political motivation of Christ but here now in verse in John 1838 for the first time Pilate said to him, what is truth right Pilate's mind has been changed now from thinking about okay the situation where Christ is a king or not and the crucifixion and now he's actually starting to think about the words that Christ is saying okay? Christ is actually telling him that I am your king. I am not just a king, but I am your king. This is what he's saying when I come to bear witness of the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Christ is telling Pilate, I am your king. Come and believe in me. Okay. Now, unfortunately, Pilate misses the message. Because even before Christ had an opportunity to respond to the question, what is truth? He says what? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. So, Pilate was at this point where he was very close to actually listening and maybe even believing what Christ had to say. But then he came back again to himself and he said, you you know, I'm actually more interested in just preserving myself. I find no fault in him. I'm afraid of him. I don't want to do anything to him. And he's again trying to find what is the balance that makes everybody happy so he doesn't get in trouble and he gets to maintain his position. So, We learn in this story, one, that even though we are actually having a conversation with Christ, and even though we are actually present at the trial of Christ, and even though we actually see the crucifixion of Christ, it doesn't mean that we are changed. When we come here to the church on Good Friday and we read all of these readings and we pray all of these prayers, maybe to some it just feels like we're just remembering a historical event, something that happened, something that doesn't really have any direct, direct impact on me, on my life, on who I am. And maybe even the words of salvation to us, have, we've heard them so many times, it just becomes repetitive words that we hear and we say and we talk about and it's lost its meaning. But when we remember ourselves ourselves, in the sins that we actually commit and the sins that we actually do on daily basis and how we have fallen from the grace of God and how Christ here is restoring us again to the Father, we should have a different understanding and a different sense that Christ, no matter who he speaks to, no matter what situation it is, no matter what time it is, whether it's in the past or the future, every time he speaks, he speaks because he wants the salvation of those he speaks to. And here we see that example with um, Pontius Pilate. At the same time, the Pharisees, who were blinded by their sin, even when they stood before him, were not even willing to acknowledge him, to consider that maybe what he was saying was the truth, or to change anything about them. And yet Christ was also appealing to them. Christ showed them his mercy when he was on the cross, and he asked for the salvation of those people who did this. Christ repeatedly throughout his life showed acts of mercy and compassion and forgiveness to everyone who said or did anything against him. And yet we see that they were unchanged. So we see the real character of people, and we see the character of Christ was one of love and compassion all throughout, whereas the others, they had different motivations and understandings. So we ask that God would help us to love as Jesus Christ loved, and to also know how to receive the love of Christ, and to understand the magnitude of the love that he has for us, that even when we would be in the position of crucifying him, as Pontius Pilate did, that he would still try to reach us and transform us and show us his love so that we would be forgiven from our sins. And glory be to God forever. Amen.